It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to part two of the Socially Distanced Sports Bar for this week. Steph here. How are you doing? Hope you've had a nice week. Happy Friday to you. If you haven't listened to Wednesday's episode, go back on the timeline now and listen to Wednesday's episode because sometimes on the Friday episode, there are back references. There is a little aside or something like that that if you listen out of sequence, doesn't quite land for you. So go back, maybe listen to Wednesday's episode first. What do I need to advertise in this little slot? Oh, a YouTube channel. I'm trying to get our views up on the YouTube channel. I'm trying to get our subscribers up, actually, because our views are really good. Paul Mellon makes some really good puppet versions of funny moments from the podcast from the past. So Paul is a brilliant puppeteer, and he's been creating content for us on youtube.com slash the socially distant sports bar for a little while now. There are loads of bits on there, and I find them really funny to look back on and the way that he creates those characters is i think it's fantastic i really really enjoy watching those if you go to that youtube channel and click on subscribe for whatever reason the number of subscribers we have advertisers will look at that and they will go oh cool we'll advertise with that channel because they've got loads of subscribers you don't have to do anything you don't have to pay any money there so if you can't afford to go to our patreon and that's you know loads of people having real problems at the moment financially. And if you're one of those people, I completely understand it and I'm not going to ask you for any money. But what I will ask you for is to log on to your YouTube and just click on subscribe. Click on the little bell icon as well so that whenever we get a new episode out there, it will update and you will be alerted to it on your web browser. And it it, it may well help us get a little bit more money in for the pod so we can prioritize things, okay? And that, that's all we're looking for. Okay, that, that little bit extra may well help us to prioritise what we're doing. Live shows coming up in November. Cheerful Earful podcast in Clapham, 2.30 on Saturday, November the 4th. Sunday, November the 5th, we are live in Wrexham at the William Aston Hall. 8 o'clock start for that one. Be lovely to see some of you guys there. Uh, Mike and Ellis will interact with you after the gig. I will be doing... Uh, do you know what I'll probably be doing, actually? I'll be downloading those episodes so that we can use them as episodes in a future time, like we did with the Gordon Smart one, like we did with um, the live tour that we did. Those, those recorded, there are a lot of fun to do. 
lot of fun to be at as well because some stuff doesn't make it to those edits <laughs> for obvious reasons. But if you can get yourselves along with the live gigs, you will get to meet at least two-thirds of the socially distanced sports bar team. You'll probably meet me as well. I might be reticent to have conversations. It's just my personality, and I'm sorry for that. But I will, I will buy you a drink probably at some point. Right, sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of this week's episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right, it's documentary time on the socially distanced sports bar. Uh, this is one of my choices, and because most of my spare time is taken up running sort of at the moment. A lot of audio docs have been coming across my path because that's what I like to listen to while I'm out running because it distracts my brain from the repetitive, boring nature of making your legs move when you're in pain. For 26 miles. For 26. Fairly pointless miles. <laughs> oh, just before you do the doc then, mate. Before, I'll, I'll forget to say it otherwise. Yeah. Kelly's sister is doing her first ever half marathon. So uh, I think I think some of the patrons have, have sponsored her as well. So I've retweeted a few bits. So this will be going out a couple of weeks after that. But she'll still have the Just Giving page open, won't she? I think so, yeah. So in the episode description this week, if everyone listening gives 50p... Yeah, magic. You would be stunned as to how much money that will turn out to be. Yeah. And you'll be stunned how much that will do yeah, as well. Magic. Yeah. So don't give a tenner. Don't give 20 quid. No, just funny. 50p or a quid if that's the least you can do. You know, on those apps, I don't know how it works. But it, you know, whatever the littlest you can do, just do that. Yeah. Because it's Lovely. better than not doing it. So if everyone does that, that'd be fantastic. Magic. Thank you. Good and good luck, Trace. Although you would have done it by now, but well, well done. Proud of you. Good luck. You'll have nailed it, and you'll be super chuffed with yourself for having done it. Yeah, I can't listen to music when I run, so sort of podcasts are the thing for me. You getting any doms, Steph? No, I don't get doms, mate. Uh, after your pep talk, doesn't happen, mate. Doesn't happen. I had a mild knee injury. Ignored it. Carried on. <laughs> Ignored it. Because how can that be bad for you? Yeah, was my logic. Yeah, didn't nice it. Seen a personal trainer this afternoon. Plenty of AMRAPs. Didn't worry about Tomorrow, it. Tomorrow, yeah. it'll be as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> well, do you know what that delivery was? I turned my microphone off a second ago. Yeah, go on. I just had my 48 bars of grenade and protein bars delivered. Flavours? Uh, cookie dough. Nice. They're good ones. So like I'm going to try and, yeah. Like the cookie dough. I like the Oreo versions as well. So if, the good so if grenade you are, are listening, listening. <laughs> I, I have spent the last two years buying your products. Uh, so. Yeah. And it makes me and Kelly argue. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't actually. She. This is the thing. I... I think I was cranky because I was dropping my calories and she was sort of blaming it on the grenade. Well, I think the high caffeine content of their drinks combined with you lacking calories. Well, no, because it, it, what transpired was when I, when I then came off the grenades. I was still angry. I was, if, if anything, I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> caffeine addiction. Keeps yeah. you mellow. Yeah. <laughs> caffeine chills you out. <laughs> so, yeah, if they want to chuck some free bars my way, that'd be lovely. Oh, 100%. And if they want to send some of those muscle guns over, any any companies that do those, you know, those little ones that fire those out. I don't need any more of the grenade, actual grenade tablets in the 
plastic, oh, no, the plastic hand grenades. I've got, I've got loads of them. Have you? Yeah. Don't, don't take them, mate. Too late for that, mate. Okay, really? Yeah. You, you grenaded up right now. <laughs> oh, big time. Are you podcasting on grenades? Yeah. Not sure we're covered by Ofcom for this. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Podcasting whilst fully pumped. Yeah. So, the, the documentary that I listened to this time around, and I sent you guys, is from Wondery. It's a series called Sports Explains the World, and this episode is called The Engineer. Get in while you can, because these boys are going to be massive. That's a quote from the opening lines of a 2012 review of the band Mystery Jets. They had just released a new single called Courageous. The sound of summer's been found, the critic raves. He's particularly impressed by the band's, quote, massive new sound, which he credits in part to the group's multi-instrumentalist, a fellow named Kieran Morris. I have to imagine the members of Mystery Jets had mixed feelings about this review. On the one hand, it's the kind of glowing write-up that every band dreams of. On the other hand, they were probably a little bit confused. After all, there was no one named Kieran Morris in their band. The Mystery Jets weren't the only ones preparing for somewhat dubious takeoff back in 2012. Lopez steps in, shooting! Oh, he scored! In Honduras, a teenage midfielder named Alexander Lopez was getting million-pound offers from English Premier League squads. To the casual soccer fan, it probably didn't seem all that weird. Lopez's Wikipedia page showed a litany of elite stats, 11 goals, 20 assists. At the tender age of 19, his numbers were on pace with some of soccer's all-time greats. No wonder that, according to the Wikipedia page, Lopez's nickname was the Honduran Maradona. No wonder he had offers on the table. For Lopez, too, this must have been a puzzling moment. Because he was indeed a promising pro footballer. He had just played for Team Honduras in the London Olympics. But those stats on Wikipedia weren't his real numbers. And no one had ever called him the Honduran Maradona. It turns out that Kieran Morris, the Mystery Jet's imaginary bandmate, was also at the center of the Maradona mystery. Because Kieran Morris was not, in fact, a multi-instrumentalist, but rather a 16-year-old kid with a knack for editing Wikipedia pages and making very believable prank phone calls. And Kieran Morris, yes, his real name, was the brains behind Alexander Lopez's transformation from solid midfielder with a decent touch to the next international football phenom. So fascinating that. <laughs> I didn't listen to this before I put it on the group for us to listen to because I was just I was out for a run that day. I'd put in something else and it was too long because we're trying to record a few within a short period of time because we're all reasonably busy at the moment. So I thought, right, okay, let's find something that isn't an hour long. It's half an hour long. This story, when it was written down, blew my mind. And I thought, I don't know if this will do it justice or not, but as a short pricey, there's a guy called Kieran Morris who is a kid from Liverpool. Yeah. That's, that's it. He's just a lad from Liverpool who likes having a laugh and likes Chris Morris and his prank phone calls. And as he himself says, because he narrates this himself, doesn't quite get the nuance of what Chris was doing with an awful lot of those pranks where they have sort of yeah. 
a deeper meaning, a wider purpose to what they're doing. More he just likes doing prank calls. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I kind of agree with as well. I, I, I like them as a concept. So he starts doing them as a kid. As a teenager, I must admit, oh. I'm not a prankster and never have been. Mm. Hugely impressed at his imagination. He organises, phones up, is it the Ritz in London yeah. to organise a party for David Cameron uh, <laughs> after winning the election? And he's, and he's, and he's, is he the private secretary or someone as well? Six yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, says that he's the, 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 the new prime minister's private secretary. <laughs> It wants to organise a party, organise caviar, champagne, all of that stuff. From a school email. They ask him to confirm it via email. And no one at the Ritz checks that this is a .ac.uk kind of account. <laughs> and it's an academic establishment. And then the school gets an invoice. <laughs> so he gets called out of class by his teacher, who obviously finds it amusing because he's a human. This is the thing he says, that if it had been bollocked at that point... But this the, would have stopped his behaviour patterns. He's got to phone the parents. He said, but the teacher's cracking up telling the parent what he's done. Thinks, oh, people love this. Yeah, which, which is true. Yeah. Also, I think when you're a teenager and you try pranking, and he goes in at a very high level, like he's not phoning his local chip shop and ordering 150 fish and chips. He's, he's organising yeah. a party of the Ritz with like limitless champagne, the deposit of which was five figures. He says he can't remember, but it's something daft like 20 or 30 grand. Yeah. So he's gone in at a very, very high level and oh, yeah. has not got away with it. But I mean, he's got to a point where it's become, he's he sort of won. He's he's proved his point. Yeah, you know, school hero. Yeah. I would say. And also I'm reasonably victimless. Yeah. Yeah, this is the thing. No one's actually shelled out for it. And- no, exactly. A worst case scenario, a school has to pay for some champagne for David Camp. You know. <laughs> Reasonably victimless, I would say. Yeah, but yeah. they they got away with it before that point. It wouldn't be the most he'd fucked him, but that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he, he then starts tinkering around with Wikipedia and puts himself down as a multi-instrumentalist for the Mystery Jets. <laughs> so good, yeah. which, which, again, very funny thing to do. He is the sweet spot of obscure enough to not really check up on it. Yeah. But th- and that's what you need to do with these things. But enough truth in it to be believable. Absolutely. If you say you're playing with a Rolling Stones, people can know you. Yes. And so easily disprovable as well. Which is exactly. what I got rumble when I was a young oh, man. Go on. <laughs> go on. What did you say you did? Trying to get a leg over. I told you before. Yes. And I yeah. told the girl that I was talking to that I was a roadie for James. I thought that this, <laughs> this is the sweet spot. That's good. And they were a favourite band. And I was fucked. Oh. So I didn't know any oh. of their song. <laughs> Why did you choose James? Because I... I must have heard James earlier in the day and thought, that's, yeah. People know James, but they don't, they, they won't know James. Yeah. They're not going mean? to drill down into James. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a yeah. roadie for James. Oh, you're kidding. That's my favourite band. I love them. They're my favourite band. Oh. oh. <laughs> Apart from sit down, I'm fucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should we go and sit down? No, standing up. No, it's a joke. But what, what about? What about? <laughs> oh, he doesn't like those sort of jokes. He's a good bloke though, isn't he? He's a good bloke. James. Though. James is a really good guy. <laughs> <laughs> nice fella. Good yeah. <laughs> Do you mean Tim? No, no, James. James. No, no, no. Yeah. James. No, no. no, I'm not into Tim. Don't try to catch me out. <laughs> Tim, Tim's a very different name for a band, isn't it? Tim. Imagine being called Tim. She's a star by Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes with the Mystery Jets, which I think, you know, that, that's obscure enough that it's going to work. But one of his mates who's sort of into it as well, I think he's still down on Wikipedia as being part of Delamitri, <laughs> um, which again, very good work. I, li- I like that sort of stuff. I had a sketch once where there was two fellas called Tim Curry. You know, it was, it was Tim Curry and Tim Rice, <laughs> and they had, they had, 
They were touring the clubs as the two Tims. Love it. <laughs> That's good. And then one picks up the Korean rugs. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> so, so far, so not very sporty. I'm Tim Curry. And I'm Tim Rice. And we are <laughs> the two the Tims. Tims. What? What? Lads, I've got an idea. <laughs> what were they doing? Tim Curry and Tim Rice. Oh, I just had them play in the clubs in a little sketch, in a sketch I was doing. Yeah, they, but they they never realized they were called Tim Curry and Tim Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I just wonder what the act would yeah, be. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. It was one of the. I, I haven't extrapolated. It's one of those sketches where you start with a with a punch. <laughs> I've got I've got the joke, and, and you don't go back far enough. <laughs> <laughs> Have I got a punchline for you, Ellis, in front of his New Zealand audience? <laughs> What's Hello? the setup? I don't know. I haven't got the setup. But you work in progress, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> Throw me a bone. That's why it cost you two quid to come in. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. He then dips his toe into sport because he loves his football. So in 2011, he starts phoning up his local newspapers and telling them that Birmingham City are going to sign William Gallas. That's very funny. This is good. This is very clever, this. And books a room in his local or a hotel near to Birmingham. This, that, well, that's the stroke of genius. That is the stroke of genius. In the name W. Gallas. So that if newspapers check, which journalists will regularly do, phone around all the local uh, hotels. How do you know that? That's really clever, that. It's, it's, re- it's really good knowledge of, you know, what you would do. Yeah, the, ma- the mechanics yeah. and machinations of local sports journalism. If, if you've ever worked in a hotel, the amount of hotel people who will, you know, speaking as a journalist, will just put you through to famous people's rooms without giving two shits about the security of it. You, you know, if, if a famous person is staying in a hotel, if you ring up that hotel, they will just put you through. Yeah. Like 100%. Mm. Go speak to Mr. Gallas. Who is it? Steph. Straight through. <laughs> yeah. No problems Ste- at all. It's Steph. Go through to Colin Montgomery once when he was staying at the Celtic Manor by doing Oh, that. wow. Because if you say it's, if you say it's, you know, Steph and Guerrero from BBC Wales, they're not going to put you through. And also Colin Montgomery's just going to hang up. Yeah. Just tell him Steph. Just tell him Steph. <laughs> they put you through. Hello? And then it gets to the point where they're then all watching Sky Sports News the next day. Imagine the person. And Alex McLeish. Imagine the person. Who is the Birmingham City manager, is answering questions about signing William Gallas. He's just, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's not the sort of player we're after. We're trying to build the squad a little bit deeper. Than he's that. not part of our plans at the moment. That's really funny. Rather than just going, where the fuck have you got this Yeah, from? That's mad. <laughs> so the ability to then change what's happening in the news really appeals to them. Imagine the buzz. 2012, they're watching the Olympics and they start to hatch a plan sort of around some of the footballers playing in that. 
So they're watching Honduras play a game and they decide that one of the Honduras players is going to become the Honduran Maradona, which again, I really like. So Alexander Lopez is sort of the unwitting sort of not not victim because I don't think there is a victim within this but he's the number 10 he's 19 years old and he scored three goals by this point in 28 starts in the Honduran league this is until these lads start to get involved in Wikipedia again so Kieran starts to update the amount of assists he's had the amount of goals he's scored and doesn't do it in one go sort of regularly starts to update this and starts to link him with different clubs and they get articles there's a guardian article if you look it up which kieran's written as well and there's a still shot in this of the times from 2012 which includes wigan athletic have agreed a 2.5 million pound deal to sign alexander lopez uh, the honduras playmaker from olympia and that is in i think it's the opening ceremony of the olympics it must be no the closing ceremony of the olympics it's within that paper so they've worked within this time frame to start, they ring up different papers, tell them this is happening, pretend to be agents, pretend to be Honduran journalists. And they're just plotting this and plotting this and plotting this. And then it gets to the point where he's signed by Houston Dynamo, yeah, which is one of the USA franchises. And within the press release, he's registered 18 goals and 34 assists in 51 league games. That's not true. That's just something that he's written on Wikipedia and it's now being churned back at him. Just terrifying. As part of the signing. And imagine the thought process then where he goes for over a million pounds, this transfer. And so he starts to feel like he may have done something wrong. So Kieran starts to feel a little bit guilty about this, but obviously puts it because he's got a great story, really, hasn't he? He's managed to get a player signed from Honduras into the MLS because of dicking about on Wikipedia. Yeah. And then this story, that's sort of the first 10 minutes or so of this documentary. And then he goes on a journey to Houston to find out whether he has duped them out of a million pounds or what then happens to Alexis as well. And that bit becomes really fascinating. I think he's sort of, that's poignant then because he's thinking, oh, Christ, have I, have I a 16-year-old me ruined a bloke's life? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think he comes to that sort of thought process because it doesn't take off for Alexis there and he disappears from the scene and he's probably in a bit too deep mm. as a signing for the standard he's then playing at. Yeah. Here's a question then, because because without spoiling it, throwing forward, right? He ends up yeah. in Costa Rica and back in Honduras, yeah. that, right? Where he does very well, right? We'll, we'll get to that. Certainly like a, a good journeyman player, like he's and, and, and better than that probably. If he couldn't catch it in the MLS, what sort of standard is MLS then? So I, I would have thought that was, to me, to the untrained me, right? Yeah. That is where European players pass their prime go. Yeah. yeah. And South American players pass their prime go. To a certain extent, yes. I think all these leagues are better than we arrogantly in Europe think they are. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. If, if they're saying it was too much for him, I thought well, he's played in the Olympics. He's played for his national side. He's yeah. A, he's had a career before that and after that. So how good is the MLS? Well, the Olympics is an under-23s tournament, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So where would the MLS be? Would it be like championship level? Would it be? I think it's probably just below or in between. I think it's kind of, personally, I haven't watched a bit of it. Yeah. I think it's around that kind of layer. Yeah. But there's always going to be better players within it. Also, yeah. sometimes you just, a good player will go somewhere and it just doesn't work out. Mm. That, again, is something I'm endlessly fascinated by. They just don't enjoy it and they don't fit in 
So Simon Who, Davis, great player at Tottenham, great player at Fulham. Yes. Hated it at Everton. I always think like Michu wasn't out of his depth in the Premier League by any stretch of the imagination, but didn't cut it at international level when he played for Spain. Yeah. And then where did he go after you guys? Well, he was injured, wasn't he? I, I think he ended up playing in the lower leagues in Spain. So he, he basically had two great years and that was that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really fascinating, I think. But this this guy turns up in Houston, scores a goal on his debut, and you know, yeah, dream stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and then should accelerate. And they've got a they've got a history of signing, especially Honduran players. That he's not the first Honduran at the club. It should work out. It doesn't work out. And when Kieran goes there, he, st- he sort of interviews all the backroom staff who were there at the time, and he wants to know whether he had a huge influence on this or not. And it's quite interesting, you know, that none of them go. Come on, mate. We didn't just look at Wikipedia. Do you know what, though, mate? When he talked about with the Japanese doc, I love doing this podcast, right, is when you see all the overlaps and stuff. Yes. When he talked about the, the trouble there with that Japanese documentary was going back and talking mm. to people from the time. No yes. one prepared to say, yeah, we, yeah. we, we, we couldn't stand it for doing that. We thought he was, we thought he was, he thought he was out of order. Yeah. You know, they've sort of rewritten history to make them look less daft. Yes. Of course they're going to say, you go to the MLS, yeah, we, no, we didn't even read that stuff. We knew nothing about it. This is yeah. all off our own bat, our own scouting. I wonder if people fact check those things, those stats. Because football I wouldn't have is so. now so stat based. If your stats are wrong and you're spending money to bring up, you know, getting players' visas and all that kind of stuff. I tell you something, mate. I, I Wikipedia, the, the Association of Sports Bar, right? And I was this. Yeah, go on. You can go to my link and your link, Albert. Yeah, I haven't there. got one. I don't, but can can people not start one for me as well? Because I don't want one. Well, yeah, yeah. But what I'm going to say is Ellis's is pages and pages and pages long. Everything he's ever yes. done, right? Yeah. Every radio thing, not quotes, quite. TV. Have you edited some stuff out? The person who writes it, I think, has got certain tastes. Well, can I just say, compared to my, this is my one, right? Go on. I've had a fairly decent career in the last uh, 15 years in comedy, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike Burbitt is a Welsh comedian, yeah. writer and actor. Okay. Yeah. He's appeared in various TV projects himself and acted in several BBC sitcoms. Bit vague. Okay, yeah, it is. Bubbins yeah. makes regular appearances on radio as a character, a professional superfan for hire. I must have a patron who did that. That's uh, the patron who's done that. And uh, that's himself. He's performed stand-up comedy throughout the UK, supported Rod Gilbert and Rich Hall. Right, I supported Rod Gilbert in three gigs, and that was about 12 years ago. <laughs> okay, yeah. I supported yeah. Rich Hall at one gig at the Glee Club approximately 10 years ago. Amazing. Bubbins has performed a stand-up show, Retrosexual Mail, at the Edinburgh Festival, yes, in 2017. Mike appears as the in a Deep Purple video in 2017, which I did for free for a mate of mine six years ago. Mm. Nothing else. Early life, Mike was born in Barry, South Wales. That's it. I fear now, Mike, your Wikipedia is going to get much longer and you're going to be out of control of what people yes. are saying. Yes. So, right, which brings me to my second question, which is related to the, to, the, to the documentary. Can people make Mike's career look better? <laughs> no. Can I make my career look better? Can people not well, yeah. fuck about with it? How can, I, how can I protect that? I don't know how you stop people <laughs> from changing because that's not how Wikipedia works. No. Right. But can we employ Kieran to make you yeah, Kieran, a million I, I pound think, signing? I think, I think yeah. Kieran's on here. I'm on Strictly. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. I think Kieran could really buff this up for you. Mike is a better rugby player than James Haskell. Right. Don't give me start on this. So I wasn't going to mention it, but you fucking <laughs> you opened a Viper's Nest. Because. I was generally livid last week for a long time, right? And I've yeah, got to mention yeah, yeah. this now that Ellis is referencing because I wasn't going to mention it. If you haven't noticed the last two pods, I haven't said nothing about it. No, you haven't. Do you want to talk about Big Lummox Back Rose earlier? I didn't mention James Haskell. No, you didn't do it. I'll give you the very short version, but believe me, I ruminated long and hard <laughs> at all last week. Right? <laughs> okay, good, good, good. As a rugby player, there is nothing James Haskell can do that mm. I couldn't do, right? 
Are you reading this? No. Okay, go on. My tackling was exemplary. <laughs> my journey my, by Mike my, Bubbins. My <laughs> tackling, I was renowned for my tackling. I didn't miss tackles, right? I'm very good with the ball in hand. I couldn't kick, but we were never called upon to kick. I was a decent passer. I wasn't a great passer. For reference, Ellis has his head in his hands. I was very good at the breakdown. Yes. My bleep tests were always, we joke about it now, but I was always near the top of that. I, I was I had very good fitness for a rugby player. Machine once exploded when I was doing it. And my speed was, you know, we'll talk about sprint records later. Oh, but I was yeah, like 11 not, and a half. Not Colin Jackson. I was an 11 and a half second hundred meter runner. So I was decent, you know, fast for a rugby player. Yes. So all the things he could do, I could do. Yes. And I was faster than him. And definitely I had better game management than him. How did you know you were faster than him? What's his 100 meters? Because I've seen him run, you twat. <laughs> right. Straight in with the twat. <laughs> right. Yeah. But listen, this, the, this is the point I was going to make is because I, I did get really vexed about it. And when, he, when you talk yeah. about him getting 72 caps. Right. 77 caps. Right, okay. But you, <laughs> and oh, can I fucking like, finish my point? Because you did this before. He did something you, you never did. He played for Wales oh, under 18. fucking level. hell. Yes, I'm, I'm getting to that. Now you can't. Why? I can't fucking affect James. The thing about James Haskell is, and and to be honest, it's it's the detriment of the English game, right? Not only was I a better player than him when I was at my prime, and he was. You were also eligible for England, mate. For fucking hell, let me finish my fucking point. His dad was born there. He can do this. Not only was I better, I my point was there would have been dozens and dozens of English players better than him as well, right? Mm. The point is, he's in a system. He went to the right public schools. He's in, he's, he's in, the, he's in the right system. You, the right to, people. To prosper. Well, it is, though. Yeah. And then yeah. we talk about Wales, Wales rugby. Mm. If it had been, if I'd have been in my prime when he was in his prime, right? If we were the same age. Okay? Yes. At 16, I would have been contracted to be in an academy, right? That's, mm. that's what would have happened because I was where I was in my rugby. Mm. People would be dealing with your behavior, number one, and all the other bits and bobs to go along with it. Oh, there'd be a lot of people dealing with your behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of my behavior. Might be a full time job at the club. <laughs> When I was under 16, the behavior wasn't an issue. But when you get to sort okay. of 15, 16, yeah. you start to realize, and Ruby was completely amateur at the point, right? That because I was a, a working class kid hmm. who called a cunt a cunt, <laughs> and, I, and I was from Barry. I, I call a cunt a cunt, I do a call a cunt. Well, I did. You realize then that you're not the sort of person that fits into what the sort of person they want to play for then. Take me out of the equation for a second. That, the car okay. team I played in, that say those 24 boys that were my year in Cardiff Youth. Yes. In an undefeated Cardiff team that were the best youth team in the country. And I don't mean Wales, right? Apart from one kid, Chris Mills played a bit for Cardiff. And I think Paul Armstrong had a couple of games. There was literally out of 25 kids, yeah. two played a couple of games. Yes. When East Wales beat West Wales at under 18, and we fucking hammered them as well, right? I remember one of the boys saying, well, we're all going to be the Welsh team. Hmm. Yeah, but it didn't happen because what happened was, and it happened in senior level as well. We mentioned it the other day with Gerald Davis, who was a brilliant player. I'm not saying he wasn't, right? If you were well-educated, if you were Oxbridge, if you were a Welsh speaker, if you were from certain parts of Wales like Carmarthen, like Lesley, you were mm. much more likely to get in any sort of Welsh setup because all those selectors were from that setup as well. And that's the way that it worked. But Mike, what about... All of the working... What about the Pontypool front row? They weren't Welsh speakers from Llandale, were they? We mentioned it before, right? If you're Clive Sullivan or you're Billy Boston, and it wasn't just the black players who went there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the was, black The yeah. black players knew for a fact they were, they had no chance, right? Yes. Yes. But also, if you were fucking working class and a bit rough, you yeah. pretty much knew you didn't have much of a chance to get in it, to, to, to progress in Wales. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you, but some did. Look at that back line, right? I'm not saying they're not great players, but who else was around? 
So Gareth Edwards, Welsh speaker, to Phil Bennett, to Welsh speaker, to Ray Gravel, Welsh speaker. Yeah, sons of yeah, I'm saying, but I'm but you you're in a you're in a system. He got a scholarship to um Millfield Millfield School. Mm. Yeah. That's because he was not known for not known for the fucking ruffians, to be honest, Millfield School. No, but that's because he was so athletically gifted. He got a scholarship at the at a very young age. You don't think there's athletic lives of people in, in the of course, but I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say that Phil Bennett was posh. I wouldn't say that Barry John was posh. I didn't say posh. I said that it, I said the class system in Wales has a lot to do with language and where you're from as well. Yeah. You know, I used to teach in Willows. Do you think those kids get a fair crack of the whip? I can tell you they don't because I used to go to fucking rugby trials with them. Hmm. You know, we'd yes. be allowed to take one kid and then the posh schools would turn up with two minibuses full. You'd think, fucking hang on a minute. And we'd get there yeah. and say, can you hold the tackle bags? Can you, can you hand the bibs out? No, can you fuck off? Because we go to a, a rough school, we got to hold the fucking tackle bags for the posh kids. Fuck you. Yes. How's that sound? That's definitely true. Anyway. I think that's a slightly, anyway. different, I think that's a slightly different issue to you being better than James Haskell, though. But I don't think it is, mate. What I'm saying is... <laughs> <laughs> it's literally not how arguments work. How this goes, I think that's slightly different. No, it's not. I remember being sat on the bench thinking, I should be on that fucking pitch, right? And talking to John Scott, and I said, who was the coach at the time, you know? I said, what the fuck? Why aren't you picking me? And he's like, oh, you've only come out of youth. I said, so what the fuck? So what's, what's I going to do with anything? He said, you're 19. I said, I and? That's a fucking stupid idea. So what I should have done now is to stick he's around. not said any of that. Yeah, but, but I'd, had no. three years of, I'd had three years of being fucked off by this point. So the reason I didn't, yes. play, the reason I didn't play first-class rugby is the reason I didn't play rugby at all properly for about 10 years. I just fucked off. I had a guts full of it. And I went to Canada, which is well documented. <laughs> well documented. Yeah, I mean, this, this actually interestingly links into the clip I've chosen in the second patron in the second section mm. for the Patreons, actually, mm. because talent at youth level does not always translate to a successful career as an adult. Oh, absolutely. I'd say at eighteen, you know what level you're at. I knew yeah. the level I was playing at, and you know, in spite of all the fucking knockbacks, you, you sort of think, well, I'm, I'm still here in spite of all you idiots. But then you just think, fucking hell. I'm, I can remember the, a, a proper Cardiff rugby club meeting in Sophia Gardens and me having a fucking stand-up ding-dong with John Scott as a 19-year-old and in the end going, fuck it. And, I, and I, I left the club that night and within a couple of weeks, I was on a fucking plane going to Canada. Yeah, that's... Um, stupid. And that, that's <laughs> stupid is also... That's, that's your own fault. <laughs> I'm not saying Haskell shouldn't have had his caps. I'm saying I doubt that he, that that necessarily means he was the best player in the country at that time at that position. And certainly, once you're in a team, it's it's quite hard to get out of a team sometimes. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a big discussion around English cricket at the moment that is a real class issue with English cricket. And when you think of all the great working class English cricketers, that's very sad because it obviously hasn't always been like that. I would say if you looked at England's greatest ever cricketers, there'd be a fairly decent split between the private, yeah. ed, privately educated ones and the state educated ones. What you can't legislate for is hot-headed youngsters losing their temper and saying, fuck it, 
But I suppose no. if you spot a talented, hot-headed youngster... But um, I wasn't. My point is, I wasn't way, Look at the way Terry yet. Venables dealt with Paul Gascoigne. He used to get the best out of Paul Gascoigne. I think other managers didn't get the best out of Paul Gascoigne because you had to deal with Paul Gascoigne in a certain way because of his upbringing. But I think most people get angry in sport, if, 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 unless you've got severe mental issues, right? It's because it's a perceived injustice. Oh, yeah. And I'm not talking about selection. No, 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 because it could be anything. It could be systematic. It could just be a moment. But if you think this is bollocks, well, we mentioned about, I'm not sure if Scott remembers this, but it's stuck in my mind. Gibbs. No, uh, Quinnell now, who's a mate and he's a fucking good bloke and obviously a brilliant rugby player, right? And I know it was kids rugby, but at 18, which is, it is kids, but you, you, you're, you're on where the, cusp, the isn't future it, yeah. should be, right? That Cardiff team that beat Clenetley that I played in mm. 73-0, right? That should mean something. Those players shouldn't all slip through the net at that point. By John went from Clenetley to Cardiff because he thought it was an anti-West Wales bias and it was more likely that he'd get selected if he was playing for Cardiff rather than the Scarlets. Well, they were the biggest club in the world at the time and, other, and they also allowed you to have professional rugby lifestyle without yeah, being yeah, a professional yeah. rugby player. That's why, that's yeah, why Gareth Edwards went there. there. Gareth was picked and choose his games. He didn't play every week for Cardiff. You know, he would play 15 games a season or whatever he played. Well, Brim was there at the same time, so yeah. That's why they went there. How long have you been ruminating on this? <laughs> is it combined with drinking grenade? I think what is really fucking English rugby at the moment now, and it's fucked mm. Australian rugby, yeah. is that it is a class it is a class-based thing. And it is fucking it up. Well, yeah, I think that documentary that we watched. It, it wasn't the fact that I thought I, I was the only I was the only person in the world better than James Asker. You know, I think there's plenty of players better than James Aston, yeah. was the point. But you're yeah. in a system. The point being, nothing will convince me that at, that at 18, I wouldn't have been a better rugby player than an 18-year-old James Haskell. That is my point. It's a good thing your son is so level-headed and has got Kelly's temperament. Isn't it? Christ alive. It's also a good thing, mate, that, and, the, and it's part of the reason that he's in a, that he's in, he's in a Welsh-language school. But I don't want that to mm. count against him in Wales. And I, I'm 100% convinced... That if I'd have gone to Christ College, or if I'd have spoke Welsh, or I'd been from Kamala, then I would have played for Welsh. Oh, but, L, 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 you know. <laughs> Maybe not. I, I, yet again, I've been let down by the system. Or I, I, maybe not. I, maybe not. I would have played for Wales because that, that, that's you know that means you're saying that other fellows who played for Wales that time, you know, you've been better than them. And and there, there were some good players, obviously, that time. But I'm saying that what would have happened if I'd have. If I'd have been the right per- mm. sort of person at the right sort of school, I would have played first-class rugby because I wouldn't have been fucked off and I wouldn't have just, you know, I wouldn't have just thrown my toys out of the pram and left the country. You'd still have been angry though, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I'd be angry and playing first-team rugby for, you know, for less Until years, the years. incident, yes. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever that might have been, <laughs> I would say that until the point where yeah. that peaked. Because cause there are too many players who who don't have that background playing for in particular for teams in East Wales, mm-hmm. South East Wales. But I suppose those players bit their tongues and didn't And a lot of it was to do stuck with, at it. Was economic. So like the best generally the best rugby I ever saw as a kid, sixteen years of age, was a fellow called Gareth Jones and Barry, right? Okay. Who was fucking brilliant. But at sixteen, because he was working class and they, you know, it, he went to work at a at a job on the geese boats, on like the banana boats, because he had to go and make some, make a few quid. So he fucked off and, and left school at 16, like most of my mates did. Yeah. There wasn't the option to stay there and work on a farm. There wasn't the option to stay there and, and be involved in agriculture in some way, or, you know, in the family business, because there wasn't a family business. So they all fucked off and, did, and went for a job at 16. Yeah, I have overthought it, to be honest. <laughs> I've thought of little after the last two weeks, for honest. 
It's completely fucked my writing process. <laughs> I think those last 10 minutes were really cathartic. I certainly think that the selection process was skewed. And it, I certainly think that if you go to an inner city school, you are at a disadvantage. But coming from West Wales, certainly in the amateur area, in your era, none of those players were posh socioeconomically. So they all, no, not, they all had to, they, none of them were. So they all had to Not posh. At. Like I said, it was a class thing, but not money. Like in, in England, it's to do with cash. Yeah. And in Wales, I think it was a lot to do with where you were from, what language you spoke. Yeah, and who you knew, yeah. It's also, in, interestingly, I think, with if you look at the 70s team, the backs are often Welsh speakers and the forwards aren't. Yeah, there's a lot of that. But you still had your Delmies and your... You know, your Gerald, obviously, Gareth Edwards was, Barry John was, Ray Gravel was, Steve Fennick wasn't. But then if you look at the forwards, Merv wasn't, he was from Swansea. Pontypool front row obviously weren't. Delmy, John Taylor was a Cambridge... Crowd. Derek Quinnell, I suppose, was yeah, from Clenetling, wasn't he? What do you think the like two-thirds of the population is in Newport and Cardiff? Well, not two-thirds, but in the area, you know? That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> sorry about that point. Sorry, sorry. You're, you're the You're the Di Bishop who, who didn't stick at it. Well, Di Bishop, there we go. For whatever you want to say about Di Bishop, and he obviously got his A fantastic speech. player. Was a superb player. Mm. Yeah. Should have got a lot more caps than he did. Well, it was between him and Robert, wasn't it? Hmm. Rob Jones is a great player. But Rob yeah. Jones wasn't breaking people's jaws. But he wasn't jumping on the taff to save people's lives either. No. True. <laughs> true. All true stories. <laughs> you can ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you <don't. laughs> Just, Oh, yeah. sorry, lads. It's, but it, it, I literally left the country because it fucked me off so much. And when looking back, the reason I fucked off to Canada was, oh, balls to you. Balls I genuinely you. thought you meant Ellis's comments the other day. I was wondering where you'd be. <laughs> I just get back to Toronto now. <laughs> I was wondering why you weren't answering on the WhatsApp. I, I had to leave the country. I was so He's pissed in Lanzarote. Off. Yeah. yeah, finding I don't, himself. I don't, think, I don't think it's helpful for any sport to have to have no, cliques no, and, 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 yeah, yeah. and no one goes to Lanzarote to find themselves, really, do they? No, they go there on no. development tours. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So go back to the doc, mate. Sorry, yeah. I got a bit, a bit slight, slight sidetrack there. It, it, it was broadly fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was broadly enjoyable. He started it. <laughs> James Askell started it. I also said, yeah, oh, here we go. No, but I asked in my defense, I don't know the bloke. I said, he seems to be a very good dad. So, you know, fair play. Mm. Yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah. I can be better than him without him being shit. Yes, depending on your opinion of yourself. Yeah, which really. is high. I can tell yeah. you. Oh, absolutely. Christ. I, <laughs> really? Yeah. That's too high of anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Much too yeah. high. No, that's fine. But uh, I think we need Kieran to alter your Wikipedia to the level that he did for this Honduran yeah. footballer. It gets to the point, the doc, where he manages to meet up with Alexis via a translator. Yeah, pretends yeah. to be a journalist again so that he could... I mean, he is a journalist, but pretends to be writing sort of features on footballers generally and gets into a room with him and then gets to the end of the interview and tells him the true story of why he's in the room, what he did to the Wikipedia... And, you know, he's fully expecting it to be this sort of cathartic experience, doesn't know what the response will be, mm. whether Alexis will be furious about this or whether his life, he might just reflect on his life. I think it could have all turned out differently had he not had the move to Houston. And he just pisses himself laughing. I find that really funny because he's the soul searching before it as well. Yeah, he goes really sort of introspective, doesn't he, in the sort of... The, the relief, though, 
yeah, the yeah. final five minutes of the podcast when he's telling himself and telling the listener that he's going to come clean and admit that he was doctoring his Wikipedia and that he thinks that he might have got his move to the MLS because of those doctored Wikipedia statistics that he was doing from his bedroom on his laptop 4,000 miles away. And he's prepared himself to be punched in the face. He's thinking, I've potentially completely ruined this fucking guy. <laughs> he's clenching his jaw. One for a prank. He he's yeah. he's practising. Practising getting punched, isn't Getting he? punched. He's sitting in a coffee shop thinking, well, I'll have to brace and I'll clench my jaw so I don't get my teeth knocked out, blah, blah, blah. And also he has to tell him through a translator... So he just starts rumbling and he starts talking and it's just pouring out of him, you know, 10 years worth of sleepless nights. He's just talking and talking and talking. <laughs> Much like Mike's recent rant. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but, then, but then the translator, he has to stop for the translator to catch up. And the guy just stares at him, just stares at him. And I was, I was on the train listening on my headphones. It was absolutely excruciating. And then when he starts laughing, the relief I felt on the train... Yeah. I thought it must have been a hundred times more than that, mm. the relief he God, was. Imagine being sat in that room in, yeah, whatever it was Costa Rica, wherever he was. Yeah, yeah. As the translators going through it, as you, as you're saying, and then a doctor, and he's just nodding, nodding. <laughs> yeah, 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 staring, yeah. staring. Oh shit! Because I, it's, it was the right. It was the one practical joke that or prank that made me feel uncomfortable because you are affecting an unknowing actor, someone who's an unknowing, unwitting person who's got no idea that you're this sort of odd puppet master on a laptop in Liverpool, testing yes. potential moves to different clubs with this guy's career. It was, the, it was the one prank that made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Yes. It's ultimately fine, and it's a it's a fascinating story. Mm. It's brilliant. I, I really love it. If if you listen to this, there's also a Long Guardian article yeah. that Kieran's written as well, which sort of goes through the process of all this. There's a little... It's actually almost better written than his script is for this, in a way. I think there's more sort of attention to detail in it as well. But the, the, look, if this isn't some sort of British comedy movie, at some point, oh, it's it's stunned. Be. It's a mad story. Absolutely stunned. Yeah. It was like that. We did that Morris Flickcroft, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I can't believe this isn't a movie. And then it was a movie. So yeah. this yeah, is probably I, I, pre-production somewhere. I presume it is in pre-production. So if it's not, Kieran, <laughs> drop us a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can make a very shambolic version of it. Yeah. <laughs> Mike can shout at a few execs and then have to leave the country for eight years. Well, calm down now. Be great. Calm down yeah. Now. But yeah, I realised that was a very angry period in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we've had quite a good therapy session. Yeah, I feel superb now. I can't stop smiling. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like when you, when you let yeah, someone different just be cathartic yeah. and just let everything out for five minutes. It's yeah. amazing how it changes the mood of a room. Yeah. Can I just apologise for calling you both cunts five minutes ago? He called me a twat, you called him a cunt. Oh, sorry, mate. I do apologise. <laughs> but you said you would call a cunt a cunt. And you did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I did. I've none of my words. I do feel a lot better for that. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavour and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Right, book review time. Alice is going because Alice I'm has off. to go. He's got to play Take football. care, Al. Cheers, mate. Sorry. Uh, That's fine. No, no, don't go, make an excuse. Go, just go. The, 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 the podcast uh, took a turn we had anticipated. You started it. <laughs> I did start <laughs> it. 
That 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 twelve minute rant that Mike went on has has ruined Ellis's plans to go and play football. So go now. Turn off your computer. Go. Go on. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Good luck. Right. Right. Ellis is not part of this book review. This is not officially sanctioned part of the Social Distance Sports Bar because the three of us aren't here together. So this, this is, I don't know. I don't know what this is. This doesn't feel right, but let's do it. Well, we'll just do it. So my friend Hales, who lives up in North Wales and has come to the live gigs and is a big fan of the podcast. Yeah. She sent me a couple of weeks ago, football is a funny game, according to St. and Greavesy. Okay. By Ian St. John and Jimmy Greaves. Inside, because a lot of Hale's stuff is, she sent me some great stuff over the last couple of years. To Haley, love Ian St. John. Shut up. Signed copy as well. Yeah, yeah, great. That's nice. So it's just, it's a softback book. Is that, is that the right I don't word? know. Softback? Paperback. Paperback. Yeah. Softback. Yeah, I was wondering what the opposite of hardback was. Uh, I it mean, would be a soft, yeah. soft front, wouldn't it? Yeah, right back. <laughs> soft front. <laughs> is that... It's a, it's a paperback book. Yeah. And it's just a nice, there's some great illustrations in it, which I love. I said there's that, there's some lovely photographs from back in the day. There's that brilliant one of them, of like Jimmy, a young Jimmy Greaves with Yule, Yule Brynner, which is one of my favorite photographs. Yeah. So as a football fan, it's brilliant. There's loads of, uh, I used to love the St. Greavesy show when I was a kid. It was wicked. It was a real highlight of, of uh, a Saturday lunchtime was just that, was that, wasn't it? You know, football focus if you were a bit serious, brilliant. and then go across for a bit more fun. To so I'm just going to read one little bit. This is Greavesy and the Scots. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that, that's as ominous as a start. <laughs> no, it's, you'd think, but it's not. Okay. As anyone who watches St. Greavesy on a Saturday afternoon will know, the Scots in general, and jock goalkeepers in particular, have taken a fair amount of stick from me. I've been called the Hammer of the Scots, an English git, and a Sassanac loudmouth, and these are just <laughs> some of the nice things. The contents of letters I've received from certain gentlemen north of the border would kill the sporran on a Highlander's kilt. <laughs> but here's a secret. It's all a gag. And one that's lasted over 20 years. It's true. I'll have a go at any daft goals or stupid mistakes we get from the Scottish TV. But the truth of the matter is, I'll have the same go with the English mistakes. The Scots are more touchy than we Sassanacs, more aggressive. And maybe that's why many have been such fine footballers. Every good Scots footballer has that little bit of a devil in him, which makes him stand out in the crowd. And no one appreciates that more than me. Why do I have a go? Quite simply, it was because I was fed up with the Scots having a go with the English without reply. When I joined up with Ian, I told our producer, Bob Patience, I want to have a go back. I'm sick of you all. I'm having a belt at us without us getting one back. As you guessed, Bob, like Ian, is a dyed-in-the-wool Scot, but he gave me the all-clear, and things have blossomed from there. It's strange. At first, the Scots didn't like me chirping back, but then as they realised it was all in good humour, they took it really well. Now I enjoy the walk to the big matches among them. Like the Cockneys and the Liverpudlians, the Glaswegians, they're they're a very humorous and quick-witted people. I'll never forget walking to the Wales-Scotland World Cup tie in Cardiff this year. The streets were heaving with kilted Scots, but there was never a bit of bother, and I found myself laughing and joking with a group of them. One huge Glaswegian with Tammy, scarf, and outsized kilt had to have a go and shouted, Hey, wee man, who do you fancy today then? I answered Scotland, but I also fancy seeing what you got under that kilt. <laughs> nee bother, wee man, he roared, and proceeded to show me that he was a true Scot. <laughs> right? Loads of that sort. Of thing. That's good. But reading that one little bit there, I thought, Having watched Scotland Football International more recently, yes. I don't remember seeing a lot of lads in like Tamish Anderson kilts and sporrans. And, does that still go on? I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine that it's... They, do you know what? They're really good again, which is irritating. Yeah. They, they, are, yeah. You know, they are really, really good. And that's scary. Yeah. Because we're not. <laughs> so I kind of, yeah. yeah. We, don't look very, we don't look very good. No. But it goes right through. He, he talks quite candidly about the 66 World Cup, obviously when he wasn't, he wasn't there in the final. Ian St. John comes across really well as well. Just I love just the, the, I don't want to watch those two. They, we talked about like people like Bobby Robson, just awesome, like a likable bloke. 
I've never seen St. Greasy when I was a kid and I thought, I never thought, oh, I wouldn't like to spend the afternoon oh. with them. Imagine being with those two. You'd have a great time, wouldn't you? I think that, I think that fantasy football, <laughs> now Alice is gone. I think the fantasy yeah. football probably caricatured it to the point. The original or the shit remake. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, I love the deal. Um, <laughs> but but the so, ah 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 ah. It always turned it. You kill me, Greasy. It always turned him into the count from Sesame Street, didn't it? So sort of his laugh. Yeah. And I think that that's too many people's memories of what it was like. And I think that it was just Ian St. John laughing at his mate. And sometimes yeah. you laugh at your people say it about me on this. But sometimes you laugh at him makes a little <laughs> over the top. But you are enjoying that moment, aren't you? Yeah, but that's just, life. You couldn't fake it. What though? You couldn't fake what those two had on on air together. Yeah, I thought it was lovely that's to see proper that. natural that. chemistry. Yeah, exactly. And that's really hard to find, really hard to define. And the book's lovely. It's a neat, nice, easy read. It's a toilet read, as I call it. Yeah, yeah. Some great cartoons. Some lovely. Some proper beautiful old photo. I'll try to show you the photograph. Where's the one of? Oh, there it is. Look at this. <laughs> I've told. So this is Jimmy Greaves with Sean Connery, Yul Brynner, and Bobby Moore. Oh, this is what Al was talking what? about the other day. Go on. So, look at what Yul Brynner's wearing. Oh, shut up! He looks like he looks like a picture I've seen of who's Noel Noel Gallagher talking to Chris Evans in like nineteen ninety, I don't know, yeah. five or something like that. I've been tea in the. And park. this would have been around like nineteen sixty six. Yeah, sort of the, the Noel's got this red and beige cagoule on. This exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, you look like you look. He's on his way to like a Stone Roses concert. It's a brilliant. That's fantastic. Brilliant he's a bucket hat away from yes, yes. Stone Roses. There's that. loads of those great photographs in here. That's cracking. I don't know who the cartoonist is, but the cartoons are brilliant. Yeah, the photographs are brilliant. Some of the, the backstory, and it sort of stops around sort of eighty eight, eighty seven. That's pretty good. Cool. So what's it, it goes called? right through it. It's called Football is a Funny Game, according to Saint and Greavesy by Ian Saint John and Jimmy Greaves. I don't know if it's still in publication. Um. I'll find so. a link. There'll be something. You can track it down. It was on Arrow Books. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, and you follow us on social medias, pick a video, right? Pick one of our Instagram videos and stick it on upwards of two of your WhatsApp groups with your mates, with, I don't know, the people you coach football with, the people you go to... Uh, hot yoga with I don't know what people do your running club I, I have no idea what so the people you go to the pub with whatever your mates groups are stick on two of our videos one of our videos something that you think is great maybe from one of the guest episodes because that way people who've never heard of us before will get to hear of us and I, I, that's probably a great way of doing this if you can't afford to um, subscribe to us on patreon.com slash distant and I know a lot of you can't at the moment and I'm not going to give you some heavy pressure and make you feel bad because you shouldn't feel bad if you haven't got the money you haven't got the money it's perfectly cool alright but if you can spread the word about us then that will really help us it'll increase our listenership and we will then get 0.001 penny every time someone listens to an advert or something like that alright it'll just it'll help us out so it'd be fantastic if you could do that if not, that's fine. If you find a pint-sized Distant Pod episode that you think is brilliant, stick that on your social media. Just one tweet, one Facebook post with a link to one of the 
uh, pint-sized distant pod episodes that can influence someone and make someone listen to our podcast just once and that'll be fine and I reckon if they listen to it once they're going to like it and they're going to stay with us thank you very much for listening this week we love you and we will be back with another one of these next Wednesday ta-ra ta-ra